Hi, it's Tony Bruski from Real Ghost Stories Online, inviting you to subscribe to our other podcast called The Grave Talks. It's where I sit down and interview individuals who've had extreme paranormal situations happen to them in their lives. Just search The Grave Talks on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you download podcasts. Be sure to press subscribe and give us some stars to help spread the word that this show exists. Now, here's a 15-minute preview of The Grave Talks. Today on The Grave Talks, the haunted Moss Beach Distillery. is the woman in blue who lingers at the haunted Moss Beach Distillery. What would make a person continue to linger in the same spot for more than half a century? Paranormal investigator Lloyd Auerbach joins us to discuss the woman in blue who's made herself known to patrons of the haunted Moss Beach Distillery and restaurants for decades. We hear about the multiple ways she has communicated with the living and how she even managed to change her dress from the other side. We even discuss the principles of paranormal research and the surprising discoveries that Lloyd Auerbach has made about what is truly behind many supernatural experiences that have plagued thousands over time. The property itself was built, as far as we know, um, what what we've gotten from the historians in 1926 is a private residence. But shortly thereafter, it was purchased by a Bay Area, San Francisco Bay Area restaurateur by the name of Frank Torres. And it was converted into a restaurant, a grill. And he also purchased a hotel, uh, which was a small hotel, which was in where the parking lot actually is today. The hotel burned down in 1957 in a not so... Uh, unexplained fire. So it was it's not anything to do with the paranormal. Okay. <clears throat> the uh, the restaurant itself, because Prohibition had started, was one of many places here on the West Coast that was a speakeasy. Uh, although when, when you say that, of course, you conjure up images of Chicago speakeasies, which are either underground or hidden someplace. This was quite out in the open. In fact, the restaurant sits on a bluff uh, right looking over the over Moss Beach, actually, and over the Pacific Ocean. So it's, it's an obvious place in some respects. Mm-hmm. Frank Torres <clears throat> made his place very popular, uh, according to some locals who remembered that far back. It was a fun place to be. There was a piano player. They had dancing, uh, a lot of drinking from the illegal booze brought down from Canada. In fact, the beach below was one of the beaches on the Northern California coast where they, the smugglers actually landed to bring booze in. And the place was frequented, according to local reports, by people such as Fatty Arbuckle from Hollywood and some other Hollywood folks who would come up the coast to go to San Francisco. It was host to people like the governor of California, according to some reports, and the mayors of San Francisco, Oakland, and San Jose and surrounding towns, as well as the police chiefs. You know, prohibition was not a popular thing in many parts of the country. And consequently, because of their clientele, the place itself was never raided. There was never a report of that. Although later through our process, we learned that there were three raids on the Smuggler's Beach below. Mm -hmm. 
in around 1929 or early 1930, a young woman started working in the hotel and then frequently coming over to the restaurant after work. And she became known as the blue lady at that point because she always wore bright blue clothing. Uh, she started an affair with the piano player, Charlie. And then uh, the story is that she had left her abusive husband in the Midwest, fled to the Bay Area, and eventually down the coast to Moss Beach. Just so you know, a placement, the town is just a little ways south of San Francisco. So it's not far from the big city, so mm -hmm. to speak. So one night, <clears throat> her husband showed up and tried to get her out of the place. And the story that we have from the locals and through one of the local historians years ago was that he was promptly ejected from the restaurant, from the place. I mean, it's a speakeasy, so there were plenty of bouncers around, most likely. Sure. For whatever reason, later that night, uh, the woman and her boyfriend decided to go for a walk on the beach, which people often did uh, in the evening, because the if the weather was not foggy. And what we do know is the next morning she was found knifed in the back. Um, most of the, the information we have indicates that, that the piano player, her boyfriend, was unconscious. There were a, a couple of locals who had heard that he had actually been scared off and ran away, but that doesn't really jive with what we, what we know from other sources. And then within a few days, uh, a woman in a blue dress that was bloody was seen on the beach. And then the blood disappeared very quickly. Just a woman in a blue dress. A couple of people recognized her as the blue lady. Um, in fact, a lot of the, the customers didn't know she was dead. They just saw this woman down on the beach. And eventually, over the next few weeks, according to the reports, she was seen <clears throat> coming up the beach, coming up the hill on the bluff next to the restaurant, and eventually in the restaurant and in the hotel. And so most of the occurrences since 1930 have been were visual until around the 1970s for that. After the 1970s, does she simply disappear, or is there other occurrences nope. of her interactions? She seemed to get a little more physical in the 1970s. Like I said, for, for the most part, and I, I've talked to witnesses who had seen her in the 40s and the 50s, uh, even in the 60s. And then in the 70s, a couple by the name of uh, Pat and Dave Andrews bought the place and <clears throat> ended up living in the space below the restaurant, which originally was a garage and then was turned into an office and then it was turned back into an apartment for them, apartment and office. These days, it's an actual office for the staff. So uh, Pat and Dave reported that while there were still sightings of her, uh, that especially Pat seemed to end up with a bond with her because she suddenly became very helpful. Pat reported a number of instances where uh, she would reach for a pencil or be looking for some writing implement and it would just simply pop out of the pencil case, uh, you know, the pencil holder or out of a drawer. There was one time she said she was couldn't find her checkbook and she was seated at the uh, office desk and the checkbook floated down from a high shelf above her where her husband had put it. So there were a lot more physical things happening at that point. Otherwise, people reported seeing her. Uh, one kind of common thing was in the ladies room women would see 
would be looking in the mirror and they see this woman in blue standing next to them and they turn and look and there's nobody there. And of course, then the image disappears or they'd be alone in the lady's room in one stall and they'd hear a woman giggling in the next stall, even though there's nobody else in the lady's room. Uh, other folks saw, have seen her outline um, in with along with Pat and Dave Andrews experiences in the office. The Tiffany lamps would occasionally start swinging on their own. Uh, chairs would move on their own. Glasses would, would slide across the bar. All playful stuff, according to the witnesses. When an entity like that goes from being very visible with many stories of the full-bodied apparition or, or not, or just even, oh my God, there's a woman out there, not even realizing it's an apparition of some sort. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and then where it almost tapers down a bit, her story continues and, and she's interacting in other ways. What do you think that is? Is that something that, this is obviously just an opinion-based question, but obviously sure. you know the world well. Uh, is it something where over time do you see things like that where where the the apparition slowly fades yet their energy is still there and interacting and maybe it's just kind of one of those things where over time the ability to show themselves in such a strong fashion fades for lack of a better term well first of all it's important to know that when people are seeing the apparition that they are not seeing the apparition with their eyes okay it it is a, it is a, a connection a psychic connection okay uh, and it, it seems to rely on the entity more or less thinking thinking out, broadcasting, if you want to put it that way, okay. the, the image of themselves. Uh, in the patterns that we have of apparitional experiences, and there's thousands and thousands of them uh, on the books in, in my field in parapsychology and psychical research, mm -hmm. <clears throat> people are seen as apparitions not necessarily the way they look when they died. Uh, I think The Sixth Sense got it wrong. The movie The Sixth Sense got it wrong. People are rarely seen with that bodily damage. She was seen with a bloody dress for a couple of days and then no blood. Uh, and people who die at a very advanced age, when they are seen as apparitions, they look in the prime of their lives or look healthy. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's more about a person's self-image. And even the clothing that they're wearing can be dependent on their self-image. Uh, in fact, with The Blue Lady... My first experience there was an investigation done for Japanese television. And we were working with a Japanese medium. She was the center point for the for a series of, of specials that I worked on. And she had a conversation. <clears throat> One of the things that she did the first night was she had a conversation with the blue lady. We got a couple of names. We got a, a first and middle name, Elizabeth Clare. No last name at that time. And Mrs. Gibo... Uh, <clears throat> had a sit-down discussion with the ghost about her experience. Uh, we had not filled her in on some points of history. In fact, it was very hard for me to dig up, uh, only through some of the locals. It had not been publicized, so it wouldn't have been, would not have been information she had anyway. And she confirmed it based on what the ghost was saying. But then she pulls out a fashion magazine and starts flipping through the pages and pointing, pointing to specific... Uh, dresses and fashion, showing it to an empty chair, which is where she said the ghost was sitting. Within a couple of weeks, I got a call from the restaurant saying, we think we have another ghost. There's a young woman here in a black cocktail dress uh, and more modern jewelry, according to witnesses who have seen her. And when I went down there and talked to a couple who had had many, ex many visual sightings of the ghost, and even the woman actually claimed, she was a neighbor, she claimed that she had conversations with her. She said, 
Um, this was actually in a subsequent conversation I had. She said it's the same woman. And then in a subsequent conversation, she said, oh, I had a conversation with, with the ghost. And Mrs. Gibo ch- told her how to change clothes. So she's not been seen in her blue clothing for many years at this point because she learned how to change her clothing mentally. As far as the physical stuff goes, uh, it seems that that's rarely an instant thing for any apparition. Uh, Even apparitions that only stick around for a few days typically have no physical power, you might say. No no ability to do mind over matter because that's what it is. Mm -hmm. Uh, In some cases, it takes a few months and things might move, but most apparition cases have no physical activity. Uh, For whatever reason, she decided or she figured out how to do it. And she decided that's where she should put her energy rather than being seen by people. Although she's, she's still seen by people who are very psychic. Yeah. That's very interesting. And it's, it's kind of one of those, it's, 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 it's an aesthetic thing, but it's something that we, we talk about on both of our programs somewhat frequently is how one is seen once they've passed on. Is it the clothes they're wearing when they die? Is is, is it right. a younger version of them? There's all these variations because we hear so many stories from everything of someone's looking like they got mangled in a car wreck as a ghost, uh, all the way to, it looks like the younger version of themselves and they look pristine and, and wonderful in it's an interesting way of thinking of this uh of it's it's more so them the entity the ghost the spirit um understanding on how to project themselves is that what your is this what is that what it kind of comes down to is that what you're saying it does but i will also point out that not all things all figures that are seen as as ghosts are actually conscious Mm -hmm. now there is that imprint factor too sure um, and that's a lot of them. So a lot of the ones which, which are people are seeing someone who's been knifed or dead or shot or there's um, mangling in an, in an accident. Some of that can be the imprint of, of the event sure. or the location. When it comes to seeing a full bodied apparition uh, like that, uh, you had said earlier that it, it's not necessarily visually seen. It, it's right. oftentimes someone. Well, it's, it's definitely not. It's definitely not an optical thing. Sure. We know that. That's my question about that. Does it take, because the way I describe uh, sensitivity levels, it's almost like a one to 10. I I, kind of feel like it's a sense that really hasn't been uh, extremely understood or recognized yet. Some folks can hear frequencies that the dogs can hear and others cannot. Um, I kind of look at at being able to be sensitive and empathic uh, along those lines to a certain extent where some are at a 10 where they can literally see people that are not there that or that are there that others cannot see and they can have the conversations and, and everything of that nature all the way down to the one where that same person walks into the room and they just kind of get an eerie feeling um and, and sometimes i think there's zeros as well where they're just completely not attuned to it so when it comes to seeing a full-bodied apparition is that something uh, in every case where you at least need to be somewhere on that scale to pick it up, to pick up an apparition, or can a, an apparition appear to anyone of, of the apparition's choosing? Well, as far as the second point goes, we're not really 100% sure about whether the apparitions get to choose who they can broadcast to. And the fact is that not everybody perceives things psychically visually. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed your 15-minute preview of our new podcast, The Grave Talks. Be sure to subscribe to it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you download podcasts to not miss any episode of the show. New episodes every single Monday. Just search for The Grave Talks 
and then press subscribe. Give us a review while you're at it and some stars that will help us grow in the rankings and let other folks know that the show exists to make an even better show for you. The Grave Talks. Check it out at thegravetalks.com. Worried about keeping up with your fave friends all summer or posting every perfectly pink sunset you see? Don't sweat the connect. You can have it made in the shade with four lines of unlimited data for $100 a month. Scroll the staycation pics, find your new go-to takeout spot, or catch some rays on video chat. Whatever you and the crew are into, all the data makes it all that much better. Smile, you're on Cricket. Cricket Core acquired on four lines. Data speed limited to three megabits per second. Cricket may slow data speeds when the network is busy. Additional fees, usage, and restrictions apply.